Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. The Wolverines football team continues to roll. They destroyed Wisconsin 38-13. We'll talk a little bit about that. They also have a test, I argue, a bigger test this week at Michigan State. Uh, We'll obviously talk a little bit about, well, not a little bit. We'll talk a lot about that. But before we do, since we promised last week, we said we weren't going to do recruiting last week. We are going to do recruiting this week. We're gonna we're gonna do it first. It was a obviously we've we've talked these games do not you know single handedly win recruits, but atmosphere, you know, showing that the program's going in the right direction, making it look like a fun place to play, uh, that stuff all it sure doesn't hurt to to blow out a good Big Ten team at home under the lights. So we got a couple little bit of recruiting, and obviously the big the big recruiting news out of the weekend. Although it's not really news, it's more just the big takeaway. They had uh, Zach Harrison, number two player, number two recruit in the country, coming to town, just absolute freak of nature. It is He's from the Columbus area. His family are diehard Ohio State fans. But Steve, you've, you've said this you know, publicly in, in articles and, and all over the place that Michigan's, Michigan has a shot here. Don't know if that, that means that they're going to win. But certainly, what what was the thought coming out of this weekend in regards to how much that that chance improved? Uh, I mean, improvement. I don't know. They were already a significant factor. I think the biggest thing is, and it's like it's kind of one of those things where, for a long time now, there's this underlying storyline developing that it might not be. Michigan, Ohio State. It could be Michigan State or, or Michigan or Penn State here. Um, again, I mean, it's kind of weird. I, I know I've held off in the past about reporting a couple things on it just because it was kind of one of those, you know, you don't really believe it yeah. type deals. But as things stand now, uh, I'm willing to say I, I think it would be Michigan or Penn State as things stand today. That doesn't mean you always have to be, if you're Michigan or Penn State, you have to be leery of Ohio State because <laughs> they've always closed uh, really, really well under Urban Meyer. Uh, I don't know if the dynamic there is any different now. Uh, it hasn't really. They lost one commitment so far. I don't right. <laughs> know of any. Oh no, sorry, they lost two, uh, two four stars actually. They lost Kane Patterson right away. They lost Samson James, who that was not like a a moving on by Ohio State. James is a legit prospect. I know Michigan actually really liked him too. So and he committed um, to Indiana. Yeah, yep. you know, and, and Mike Hart. Big one of the yeah yeah but Mike Hart's first first victory over Ohio State sorry I, I couldn't <laughs> help it um, people are gonna be mad at me about that I graduated the same year as Mike Hart so I was there for all four of those so not the best stretch to be there but um, but yeah so they yeah Indiana with a maybe one of their biggest recruiting wins ever actually so uh, I don't know if it's having an impact uh, but I do know in this recruitment. Uh, like I said, I think it'd be Michigan or Penn State today. You know, people asking them about like percentages and all that kind of stuff, and I'm just you love yeah, really percentages. Getting... Yeah, no, I mean, I can tell people I don't even do that on the site. Just I, like how you love like... projecting how the class is going to finish. Yeah, that's one of their favorite <laughs> one too. Yeah, hey, you know. So, uh, so I have a I have a question about Harrison. No, yeah. So if if it is Michigan Ohio State or no, I'm sorry, Michigan Penn State. Uh-huh. Like what is how would that change? You mentioned Ohio State closes. Like is this something where they 
I mean, because I got to imagine a five star from the county. I I assume they're giving him, you know, they're they're making their pitch. It's well known, you know, his family's Ohio State fans. Is this something that Ohio State can do? I mean, you can't, you don't know everything, but is there something that they can do, or is this, or is he just like done deal? I'm gonna go. I want to leave town. Um, I mean, nothing's ever for sure in these types of situations, especially like I said, when you have the family pull. Um, you know, that, but I think the thing is, I think that that's really the only, like if Harrison lived in like Chicago or something, I kind of suspect that Ohio state wouldn't really even be a factor at all. Is that, you know what I mean? It's okay. kind of their, it's the, it's the feather they have in their cap. Um, but right. that, I mean, that can be a big feather. It at least, it obviously opens the door and, and maybe there's, something out there could be academics wise could be you know anything that may you know put them right back in it or you know and maybe they're more in it than what we're hearing but i mean it's just that that the it's the quote it's not ohio state noise has been getting consistently louder for mm-hmm. about the last two months or so so um well because he was going to commit Josh, what's that i was going to say he was going to commit in mid-august you know, and right. not necessarily not. We don't know what school to, but he was. He originally was going to commit sooner, and then he, and then he stopped. Right. And, I mean, I think Newkirk did that story. Well, if if he's such an Ohio State lean, it'd be so easy for him to just commit and then move on. Right. You know what's holding him back? Very legitimate. Very legitimate thought. You know. Um. Yeah. Because he'd be going to school right at right outside of his house, and recruiting would be over. I think he's over recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see. Michigan's done an awesome job. I, you know, people have, I've gotten crap for saying stuff like this in the past, but even if Michigan doesn't win this one, which I think they very well could, that's not a setting people up for bad news type deal. Um, but I still think that's a great sign for Michigan. Hey, defeated um, with dignity, right? No, because recruiting <laughs> is like you could but you can build your perception in recruiting um you know and I, I think and and not even so much as like yay we got second it's really more to me it's about okay Al Washington is definitely going to be an elite recruiter for this mm-hmm. staff as long as he's here the thing about this recruitment that's interesting is like they were not if you go back a year and this is I think I said this in both articles I I think I spoke with Detroit news and free press on this one okay um 11 12 months ago like michigan was really not a factor here at all i would have said ohio state penn state michigan state and Notre dame probably all had an advantage over michigan at that point point. Mm-hmm. and uh and then they hired washington and he's really been the catalyst that has kind of jump-started this and um so i think that's a positive takeaway for michigan regardless of how this turns out. But again, could very well end up turn out positively for them. So we'll just have to see. Newkirk actually will be there tomorrow. Again, we, he was down there last month. Um, he's actually going to be up there for his game tomorrow. Uh, we'll see if he gets anything of value. Um, well, he'll get something of value as far as more insight about his game. But yeah, he's not a great quote, it doesn't sound like. No, Harrison. and it's because... Yeah, it's just because he doesn't like, you know, talking and not a big into the process. Which again, you, you, you're being recruited for three, two and a half, three years. 
it can get really tiring for those five-star guys. I was going to say, you know? the and guys so, where uh, everyone's putting their entire lives, like their entire self-esteem on whether or not these players commit to right, their school. Right. <laughs> and his family. You know, his mom's always been good. I've had a good relationship with his mom. She's always been good about answering questions. Um, but even then, it's like you, you know, I mean, the process is very stressful for the kids and their families, like especially – uh, you know, when you get to this point, he's visited three schools within the last month again. So, of course, you're going to have those, you know, hey, can you answer a few questions? You know, like yeah. DMs, texts, calls, whatever, you know. And so, luckily, I don't – we usually are able to get what we need without having to go that route, which is awesome because it takes less less stress from the kid and for the family and when so when the time comes when you actually do need something and you haven't been bugging somebody for two years <laughs> yeah. um they might actually give you something so um it so is funny that too. hearing newkirk because newkirk was down there last and he had a great breakdown of where things stand by the way but uh, if, if if our listeners want to check it out but it was funny because it's like i was talking to newkirk about it and he's like yeah, like he didn't say much, but you could tell it was completely on purpose. Like he was smiling the whole time when he would give these one-word answers and things like that. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, you know, he's having a little fun with it, but also it is – it can get remember, really – like people kind of forget. It's like three schools constantly wanting to know where things stand because they don't just do – I mean, they don't just talk to reporters, which, by the way, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan have like – four or five different, you know, camps that are coming after them for interviews. They also talk to the teams too about recruitment right. and things like that. So, yeah, you got coaches, you know, still hitting you up and stuff all the time. It's funny. It reminds me of uh, a couple of years ago when Michigan had their uh, satellite camp in Baltimore and we sent Isaiah down there and he interviewed Iabi Noma, And it was, I remember hearing the audio and it was just the worst you know, it was almost as if he was mocking, you know, the idea of an interview. And then <laughs> he walked back over to his mom and his mom started yelling at him and told him he had to go back over and give him a real interview. <laughs> so he ended up, yeah, no. So he ended up getting a legit interview from him. It was kind of funny, but, um, but yeah, I mean, again, got four or five. I mean, I don't know, man. In some of these markets, like anyone wants to try to start up a site and start bugging kids and stuff. Like it's a, um, that's true you can get more than that i mean the michigan market's a little different than it was even when you know i started uh, it's, i think it's not as much of that out there as there used to be but for a while there i mean you had a lot of people try to do their own thing you know so um, right but yeah so harrison uh the other thing real quick the other question i was going to answer was about ben hart and keegan i don't believe they would take both guys okay. i don't think um i think they really like the guys they have committed, and I just don't see them taking seven. Um, that is a lot of offensive linemen. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is, and there's not a you know, and, and not that I would ever be specific and say, but I, I, but in all honesty, I don't see anybody verbally committed right now that they would, you know, turn away now or anything like that. I think they really like who they have. Mm, uh, okay. Trent, Trent Jones has had an awesome senior season. I think he's a he's a four star guy for sure, in my opinion, and. uh so I think they want one more of these tackles. And you got to remember, I think if one of those two guys was to commit, I think the other one would be like, eh, probably be have a better third opportunity tackle, somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I probably have a better opportunity somewhere else. So there's the other side of it too. So, Yeah, any other 
it was a big visit weekend. Any anything else? I mean, any a lot of younger thing? guys. Yeah, okay. Not a lot of younger guys. I really like Braden McGregor, the kid out of Port Huron in twenty twenty. He's another guy I think will go move up the rankings steadily as as his recruitment continues. He was back on campus again, kind of a Michigan Notre Dame. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Michigan State, I don't, <laughs> oh yeah, no, Michigan Notre Dame seem to meet on the recruiting trail more than almost any other program that Michigan recruits against, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, Michigan, Notre Dame, again, I don't know. I mean, Ohio state offered, um, he's been there. I don't know about Michigan state, if they're much of a factor or not, uh, just kind of gets a, kind of has a Michigan, Notre Dame feel to it. He's been to Michigan quite a bit now at this point. So, uh, he's another big name. A lot of the other ones were just kind of younger guys. Yeah. Lisa Atterbury, top target on in 2020, stuff like that. So, okay. and then what were we going to cover? Singleton, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We did get some questions. Was it um, right? a deal? It was all recruiting. Oh, sorry. A deal and sorry asked about Keegan Benhart. I think a couple people asked about Singleton, the recruiting impact. Singleton, Drew Singleton, linebacker, former top 100 recruit, yeah. uh, was in the running for the Will linebacker position at the beginning of fall camp, finished behind Josh Ross, Devin Gill. Uh, Steve, you and I were talking about this last night. Pro- seems like he should be able to be immediately eligible if he takes the red shirt this year. So he's not. I oh, heard. okay. Good to know. So, which is odd uh, with the Pat, you you think of a guy who realistically probably would have had a shot at playing next year for sure. Well, remember, I mean, he's only, he's only a year removed off of a ACL. Yeah. You know, so it takes a while. And I remember Don Brown, I mean, I think mentioned that specifically about Singleton that he was, just finally getting back to full strength. And I believe that was at full fall camp as far as like, not just like being healthy and not being in fear of like re-injuring, but I'm being full speed, full explosion, you know, all that type of stuff. So um, I would assume unless I'm wrong here, which I guess I'm kind of setting myself up with that. <laughs> it's either right or wrong. I'm either right or wrong here. Uh, I don't think this was one that was, or, or I don't think there was like a, would have, this would not have been a firm handshake type deal. Um, no, I don't think so. But he's, I, I, he's I would, yeah. had a shot, you know. So gonna, it struck me as one know. where the, the timing, you know, it's just kind of I don't know. Well, I think some people pointed out, you know, he had that penalty against Maryland, and it seemed like he got got an earful on the sidelines, and so maybe that was, you know, maybe it wasn't. You know, I mean, it's just one of those things where. Some people and I, I was kind of annoyed with people on Twitter who acted like wanting to go somewhere else is like this cowardly move. It's like, no, sometimes you just want to go somewhere else. I mean, you know, and he has the license ability, uh, did not realize he wasn't going to be eligible next year. So that is notable. I'm not sure what the difference between him and Kelly Bryan is, but um, I'm not sure either. Uh, I, I just recruiting wise, though, real quick, uh, maybe take one more backer. In 19. Um, does it do anything know, with Crouch, or is that just a totally different kind of no, wild card? Gonna, I mean, it's he's, you know, no. Crouch, I don't think it makes a difference there. Sure. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Maybe they take another backer this cycle, but you're also talking about, say, with Crouch, let's say, like Singleton would have been a third-year player. You know, I don't think a third-year, a, a guy who would have been a third-year player leaving is going to impact a yeah. recruit. We did who, get a question about that. That's why I threw it out there. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, 
it doesn't. It's a third. You know that there's a little bit of a gap there. I mean, again, with an open scholarship, maybe they take another backer. I know they did offer Tommy Eichenberg. Um, you know, which I think had a, another guy's had a really nice senior season at St. Ignatius. His brother Liam plays for Notre Dame. Was to this yeah. day one of the probably okay. my ten favorite players that I've ever covered. Uh, just a guy that you could call him up and he would just legitimately just tell you exactly what he was thinking. I remember he, yeah, Ohio state was leading, but then I went to Michigan and I liked it more. So I think <laughs> Michigan's now. Yeah. You know, like stuff that you don't really get very often yeah. any, at all, but not, I was going to say any more, but never really got that often to begin with. So maybe a little impact on recruiting again, linebacker is a big position to need for them in 2022. So, um, you know, they're, they, the the linebackers they have on the roster are super talented. They just kind of need to read their – the depth is going to have to build. Well, yeah, because they, they only took – was McGrone the only linebacker in 2018? Yeah. And then right now they have Charles Thomas and uh, Joey Joey Velasquez, who's a viper, uh, you know, however right. you want to count right. that. So, so, yeah, probably wouldn't wouldn't hurt to have more. But as far as the Singleton loss, it's it's for the immediate future. Your, oh, right. go ahead. Well, it's more of just your standard, hey, we lost a guy who could have been a player here type deal. You know, I don't – Yeah. Recruiting is not the first thing I look at, but I suppose if you're a fan, the kid's already made his decision. I guess that's the natural question to kind of wonder is, like, will this affect recruiting? I mean, it's another open scholarship, and linebacker was already kind of a need for them, at least in 2020. The question is, will it – how much will they – will it change anything in 2019? You know, yeah. I think it, it's it, kind of late, too. Yeah. Um, I will say, I mean, you know – I think both players are doing what is probably better for them. But Michigan has, I mean, they moved Michael Barrett from linebacker back to receiver, which you and I have discussed. That's probably the position that makes the most sense for him. And then Drew Singleton transferring. If I were to speculate, I would think that means that they really have a starter, starting three and then probably a two-deep three that they're very comfortable with next year. And so people are finding better opportunities. I mean, I would do the exact same thing. So, right. You well, know, you have Gil, Gil and Ross would yep. come back again next year. And Ross, you could probably, I would assume, is your starting Mike. Yep. And then I you have so. McGrone, who theoretically is coming on, Jordan Anthony, Jordan Glasgow. They're not all named Jordan. but Glasgow's leaving, isn't he? Is he? Okay, I think he has a redshirt year, but. Oh, I thought he was the fifth year. I could be wrong. Uh, I will I double like check. another I feel like we're missing another pretty well I think Hudson's back next year too. I think I Barrett think. moving back to receiver I read that as a sign that Hudson is probably leaning toward coming back yeah yeah no. well well I thought Barrett should have been on offense the whole time but that's you and me both but he did yeah. play there and then they moved him so <laughs> agreed uh I I can double check Jordan Glasgow if if, if needed but uh but yeah so anyway linebacker for Michigan as you said big need in 2020 uh, for next year, they might be okay, and for some players, maybe that's that's enough. Or maybe maybe they just want to go. I mean, he's an out of state kid. Maybe he just wants to go somewhere different. It's not, you know, it's it always seems like Michigan. I'm sure every fan base does this, not just Michigan. It seems like fans always want to make a transfer like a a justify like they want to justify like why it's the players decision to leave and like you know like right. <laughs> he could have just not right. liked it as much as everyone else did so anyway yep. Yep. uh enough on that michigan creamed wisconsin you were talking before the show 
you know, there was we got a couple questions about oh what, the Paul Chris play calling. Uh, let me there's see if one I can. Question. Oh, okay. There it is. I got it. I yep. got it right here. Go ahead. So there's talk about Paul Chris tack Chris. Oh, it's a talk about. Tactics. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, he said there's talk about oh. not talk about <laughs> Paul Chris tactical mistakes versus Michigan and how differently the game would have gone if Wisconsin had played a few third and fourth downs differently. But according to S&P Plus, they have a top 10 offense, and he's been head coach for all season for a while. Was he particularly bad on Saturday? Um, you know, it's like they, they're they up 38-7. to seven. They give up a cheapie at the end of the game. Uh, what more do people want, like, against a program like Wisconsin who never – loses games in that fashion even if they're not 11 and you know even if they're not running the table in the big 10 west and you know cruising to another new year's six bowl like those team even when they're struggling a little bit like people just don't beat wisconsin the way michigan did um you know i i think you know and we talked this is what we talked about is like hornerbrook's had a pretty good year so far he had a great orange yes. bowl last year against miami and he's had a pretty good year so far. I mean, he was awesome against – he's the only reason they beat Iowa. Interceptions were down. About, completion percentage was up. Passer rating was yeah, up. And he, he was – like, I want to say he was excellent against Iowa, actually, and and was one of the primary – was the primary reason why they won that game, not not Jonathan Taylor. Um, do I think Wisconsin should have maybe run Taylor a little bit more? Yeah. But <laughs> it was still 38-7 to with – you know, even if you want to take McCaffrey's touchdown out of the game, it was still 31 to, I mean, the game was Michigan dominated this game completely. And uh, so I, I think it says as much again, as, as it always is, people want to do one or the other, you know, like, well, this game doesn't matter as much because Paul Christ didn't run the ball as much as he should have in the third <laughs> quarter or something like that. You know, it's like, um, no, I think it still says a lot about Michigan's ability defensively against the pass. And uh, kind of, you know, it was kind of just a culmination of things. Defensive line still played really well, even without Gary. You know, got him. I think it got Hornibrook. I don't want to say rattled. I think rattled's too strong, but at least had him thinking. I know there was the one third down play. I think it was like third and four. They dropped back and passed. I think he had an open receiver and he just flat out missed him. I think I remember Fowler like specifically saying he just doesn't have it tonight or something like that. And like, that was a point where it was like, okay, this is Michigan's defense is getting to him, you know, forcing him to maybe think a little bit too fast. Well, and I think before he's, you know, I was gonna say, I think that's why a lot of people are wondering why Chris threw so much because I, I went and rewatched the game. And the thing that stood out is Michigan, Michigan was defense did a really nice job, but it really seemed like because Hornerbrook had what twelve straight incompletions. It right. seemed like I want to say around eight of them. I'm not didn't didn't chart it, but just looking were on Wisconsin. Like they were Wisconsin's mistakes, not Michigan being there, having a body in the way, having a hand up. Um, yeah. So, but as you said, I mean, he might have just been straight up rattled. And so, yeah, I I don't think. Michigan won because of the play calling. I think the game could have been a little because there were a couple. There were a couple, and Taylor was doing so well. And that's where I wonder, like, did Taylor like have cramps and we just like didn't notice or something? You know, because it really it was very bizarre that they 
they give this guy more carries than anyone else in the Big Ten, than all but maybe one or two running backs in the country, and he only had 17 when he was averaging six and a half yards per carry against Michigan. I think it was bizarre. I don't think it was a game-changing thing. And as you kind of point out, I mean, what are you going to do? Take away Michigan State's 2015 college football playoff appearance because Urban Meyer didn't give Ezekiel Elliott the ball? ball. You know, it's just one of those things. Coaches have a game plan. You know, they're not brain-dead dummies. Like, they have their job and are paid millions for a reason. And so they had a game plan. I think they, they saw something in Michigan's past game that they wanted to try. Maybe, you know, I mean, sometimes teams just stack the box. I expect Michigan State to stack the box this weekend and force Michigan to throw. You know, and just because Higdon goes for a couple good runs doesn't mean that that's the best play on any given down. So, you know, credit to credit to Michigan for Michigan's defense for being prepared. I will, I will contend with your thought on Wisconsin not getting beat like this because you're right. It's the it, they've only had two losses by 20 points or more in the last decade, and they were to 2014 Ohio State and Saturday. That's it. You know, and Iowa yeah. or Alabama 2015 got them by like 16 points. I mean, they they really don't get blown out. But I will say, and we touched on this heading into the week, that Wisconsin was 101st entering the weekend in yards per play allowed. And they were 81st entering the weekend in yards per carry allowed. And they hadn't really played any, you know, bull rushing offenses. I mean, you're talking with Nebraska threw for over 400 yards on them. But, you know, it's not like they they played some steamrolling offensive juggernaut and they were ranking pretty poorly across the board. Maybe I should plug my by the numbers story because I did point that out. But I I do think Wisconsin's a little different. Yeah, I I have one for Michigan State as well. Spoiler alert, they have fewer red flags than Wisconsin. But, I mean, that's that's just a good out-and-out blowout victory by Michigan. And I don't... Even if it's not, like, Wisconsin of, like... Even if this isn't, like, a vintage Wisconsin team, Wisconsin's still better than most of the teams they're going to play. Yeah, I would agree with that. They had... They, they ran for over 300 yards, including they only passed for four yards the entire second half. <laughs> like that's, that's Michigan that's did. Like yeah. Like, yeah. That's imposing your will. I mean, that's to me, that's impressive as heck. I mean, the game was still at the game was still in doubt at halftime. It's not as if it was already 13, yep, seven. Yeah. It's not an as if ugly they were blowing 13, them out. Seven, yeah. Hey, yeah, let's just run. Let's just run the ball second half and just run the clock out. No, the offensive line looked that third quarter of from the offensive line. I'm not savvy enough to go back and think about the last time they had a quarter that good from an O line, but it's if you against a quality against a quality opponent. Exactly, exactly. Opponent opponent factored in. One of the last quarter an offensive line Michigan at Michigan had that was that good. I don't know. Wisconsin's front seven is good. Yeah. Still, I don't care what anybody's. I know they were missing uh, louder milk, but I know when talking to Evan Flood about it, you know the louder milk loss was probably worse from a pass rushing standpoint. But he still thought that Wisconsin would be stout against the run. I mean, you got Van Ginkle, you got Connolly, uh, T.J. Edwards, Edwards, first round pick. Yeah, yeah, I mean they got yeah they have great great players in their front seven, and uh, Michigan. Yeah. So what? Four different players had runs of twenty yards or longer. Uh, you know Higdon was consistent. So, Wisconsin had not given up that many rushing yards in 87 games. Wow, that's a long time. Man. Yeah, I mean that's you have to be. How can, it's like we're talking about all these crazy says like how could you not be happy with that performance? I mean it's pretty. I think people are happy. I I think it's just one of those no, things. I do, I do. Yeah, I know. I do too. I guess I, there's just still that 
But there is still that vocal minority, though. You know, it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> would have been a different game if they just given Taylor the ball. And it's like, well, what does that? I don't. What does that mean? Would have been like maybe what a touchdown different. You know, that's yeah, still at the, very least, <laughs> at the very least. It means that Michigan did enough to force Wisconsin out of their comfort zone, which yeah. is a positive in its own right. So yeah. So and, and I do Whatever. think, for what it's worth, I mean, they moved up six spots in the AP poll. They moved up, yeah. you know, a, like seven spots in the coaches poll. I mean, you know, people. People definitely noticed that was a that was a good win. I I personally am curious to see how Wisconsin handles the rest of their schedule because it's a little different when you have two losses, but also they really are those injuries are starting to pile up for them. But you know that is I mean you play who you play. You don't get to like <laughs> yeah this idea right. that's like oh well it'd been different if uh, Wisconsin had Dakota Dixon and if it had its starting cornerback and if it had louder milk and it's like well you know Michigan I'm sure would have loved Tariq Black and Rashawn Gary and Chris yeah. Evans at full health you know it's like <laughs> so speaking of injuries though uh, well I, I I don't think this is the lead but Michigan State sure has a lot of a lot of you know 50-50 injuries I'm very you know that that could play a big role but we can switch Talking about Michigan, Michigan State, unless you had more Wisconsin thoughts. I Again, no, I'm good. offensive no. line looked good, very good. Uh, defense forced a couple turnovers, kind of gotten. I mean, you know, Wisconsin's offensive line is exceptional, and they still got beat, you know, and they weren't they weren't mowing anybody down. I mean, that's you, know, you want to talk about good players. They've got three guys that will be top. I would, I would put money down. They have three offensive linemen that will be first or second round draft picks next year. And... And I think they have a couple more on the way that are also very good. So, uh, you know, I think I think we talked before the game last week. They might have the first, second, and third best offensive linemen in the Big Ten. And I, I think I would disagree. I think there's some advance. Right. What's that? We knew that coming into the year too. So they've kind of lived up to that. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so anyway, Edwards, another another tight end another kid I don't think he was against playing offensive line but a guy that was recruited as a tight end who you know I always think of Mark Andrews at Oklahoma the I only want to play wide receiver in college and then like I won't go to any school that plays me at tight end signs with Oklahoma plays tight end becomes an all-american <laughs> playing in the NFL now like it happens all it happens all the time so yeah. anyway uh so yeah let's talk about Michigan State I mentioned in our Wisconsin recap just there, I don't see quite the same red flags. Like Wisconsin, there were a couple stats where I'm like, wow, they rank that low? Uh, there's really, other than the run game for Michigan State, there's really nothing of that sort that I see. You know, I have my position-by-position position preview. You had your 10 things that you're thinking yesterday. You know, we've got our stat preview, some other stuff that'll come up. Um, I don't know. I mean, I... Is there which 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 Michigan State team do you think is more accurate, the one that upset Penn State on the road or the one that lost by double digits to Northwestern at home? Um, well, okay. In any other week of the year, <laughs> I might say Northwestern, but this week they'll play more like the team that beat Penn State. Although, I mean, I you know, I mean, I watch a lot of that game, and it's like. It's one of those things where you can understand why people kind of feel the way they do about Michigan State sometimes, where it's like, so they fumbled the ball four times. They got all four of them back. They ran this, like, running back pass 
where Hayward just chucks up a prayer and the receiver like basically makes like a Willie Mays over the shoulder blind catch <laughs> down in the goal line. Uh, I think Penn State probably dropped about three interceptions in that game, including one on the final drive that I don't, you know, almost on the replay, I almost don't know how he didn't intercept it. Um, it was the one of the most vintage, like, this is how Michigan State seems to win these games type game, you know. And so, um, except against Michigan, because they, you know, I mean, that well, obviously they've had some breaks go their way, uh, to say the least. But it's also, it's, it's, they've always find a way to bring some part of their A game. I always think, like, every time they play Michigan State, there's always a few things that you look at Michigan, you think, man, it feels like they've been kind of getting away with that this year with this guy. And then who's the team that always seems to exploit those things. It's always against, it's always Michigan state that always seems to kind of <laughs> pick up on those things and exploit them. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what they, I don't know what Michigan state is this year. They're really confusing to me. I think lewerke has been somewhat of a disappointment uh, compared to preseason expectations. So I'm curious with that. Cause I, I don't, I mean, like I didn't get to watch last week's game because we were doing stuff for Michigan, Wisconsin, and so I haven't I haven't been able to see them live very much. Is that Lewerke's fault? Because the offensive line is allowing a sack more per game, and then That's, I'm sure that plays a role. Yeah, and then you know but, the, they've had I think Wisconsin I think against Northwestern they had three of their top four receivers were out with injury, but he does but he, even before even before Cody White was out. You know, I mean, like I said, he threw. I know the pick that was dropped on that last drive would have was completely on him. I mean, look at even his stats from like Saturday were like 24 of 52. I mean, <laughs> that's well under 50%. That's, so that's five yards of throw. Yeah. His QBR was 22.7. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And I mean, and, and the other thing is those, I mean, he's got, I mean, I think, I mean, I think Felton Davis is a first team big 10 He's got to be right. I mean, he's on pace for a yeah, thousand yards. He's yeah, he's been awesome. Six he's four, the guy that, just you know, a freak athlete. As, right, he's the guy as you would expect is is you know really going to be the one that's going to give Michigan problems if anybody does. So, um, no, I think it could, again. I think the answer can always be both, right? I mean, there are other factors into play, but I also think I also think Lewerke is the kind of guy that you know showed flashes of being able to kind of carry. Or be, kind of take that next step. I just don't think he's kind of quite done it. But you know, as everything is, as we're going to say about everything this week, you <laughs> still feel like he's going to play his best game on Saturday. I mean, it's just kind of yeah. It always seems, even though again, even it's like last year he didn't really play that well, but he didn't turn the ball over, and he made that key third down play where he literally got the first down because he rolled over somebody else and didn't touch the ground for like two yards. He like surfed for <laughs> the last first down of the game. You know, yeah. so. Um, so anyway, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. They're really confusing. Like I, I kind of wrote off the Arizona state loss because I think I agree. I'm with you there. Scheduled that. Yeah. That any big 10 team that scheduled that game was dumb. Um, let alone to play it that late at night in the, in that time zone. Well, you know, and they couldn't play during the day. Them. Like if you're going to play Arizona state, play them in October, you right. know, let things exactly. cool off a little bit. It's so that was a bad bad scheduling decision that I don't really think you can get too hard on the team, but did Wisconsin you know, lose at Arizona's? Cause they did the same thing a few years prior. 
possibly. I mean, I don't like the Big Ten sucks out in the Pac-12. I mean, that's why Michigan, I think, should get out of their series with Washington as soon as they can. I mean, I just, I just don't see any advantage to going all the way out there. The I don't know. People think it's a recruiting thing. There's no tangible recruiting effect that is worth the risk of getting beat, you know, because it is such a different deal. I know, I know Ohio state went out, but they played Cal, you know, and Cal's not, Cal's a lower tier PAC 12 team. Like if you are going to do it, then do it. Yeah. Then do what Ohio state did play Cal, Wisconsin, and Washington, you know, Wisconsin in 2013 did lose at Arizona state. Yeah. Or, you know, they think about back, like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, Michigan, you know, Oregon, they'd go to Oregon, They'd go to Washington. I mean, they'd get beat almost every time they went out there. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> um, so anyway, with that, I, I kind of wrote that off. But, you know, Utah State, escape. Classic escape. By the way, Utah State has – they look like a fringe top 25 team right now. No, they look good too. Yeah. That's, and that's, that was the other thing. I think, you know, it was Northwestern, obviously, that really kind of – I mean, they ran for like 30 yards. And 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 twenty <laughs> of those yards. were like in the last. Well, was it? It didn't. Okay, it was eight yards. I knew it was something that was like really, 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 really low. Um, you know. Well, they but did. Then the, I said yeah. <laughs> all week. I said, you know, I think Michigan State's going to give Penn State a great game. I didn't pick Penn State, or I didn't pick Michigan State to win, but I was the only one in our group I think that picked them to cover. Um, classic again just classic they're just they always find a way that's kind of i feel like that's what they build their program off of so um, i don't know total mystery team in my opinion but a mystery that but also not a mystery because like i said they're you know they're gonna have tricks up their sleeve on saturday you know that you know if if we're going off of history not saying they're gonna win but you just you know that they're gonna there's gonna be some kind of break they're gonna catch some kind of something you know whether it be another week like last week where they fumble the ball four times and they get all four of them back like something like that some statistical oddity that is in their favor uh that impact on the game yeah yeah and they and they're it's also confusing because i don't know which players are going to play you know because i'm looking at their sports reference does like a little rough injury roundup kind of thing and they've got They've got 21 players listed on the injury thing as either questionable or out. You know, and Cody White is someone who's out. I think David Beadle is someone who is out. You know, uh, Josiah Scott doesn't sound like any of the beat reporters think he's coming back. There's some fans who think he will, but doesn't sound like he's coming back. And then, but then like Darrell Stewart sounds like he might be coming back. Uh, Jalen Naylord had a tweet earlier in the week kind of hinting that he was coming back. Although Tariq black has done that too. So, right. uh, you know, I think he's probably a mystery at that level. LJ Scott is a very interesting one. I, I, I think Michigan state fans are kind of fed up with LJ Scott to be honest. Well, That's at least the impression I get from when I see his name pop up. Yeah, no, there's definitely frustration. I, I don't, the well was, I don't know if it's warranted. I cause it sounds like, I mean, you know, he didn't even travel to Penn state. It sounds like it's a, hamstring thing you know i mean chris evans missed a few games for hamstring stuff too it's not like it's this it's not like something that's ever gonna like you're never gonna feel 100 percent all year so maybe it just depends on 
what you want to do. But he he came back to play for Michigan. You know, it's not like he came back. You know, he could have gone pro. Um, could you know, he have though? Well, do you think he'd so have been drafted? I'm not sure he was a. I'm not sure he, he was a fringe. Really. He was a fringe draft prospect. But what what they what people on um our our Michigan State message board were saying was that you know there's a lot of running back running backs are something where it's like you don't have to be drafted. You have to just be fresh and ready. So, um, like you know, like Devon Smith has played in the NFL, and you know he he wasn't drafted, and uh, Jay I wouldn't say he was fresh and rested in the relative sense coming out of college and Devin no. Smith carried the ball quite a bit for Michigan. Well, but what I'm saying is like you can move up. Like uh I'm not sure you know, there for every Leonard Fournette and for Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley, there are, you know, like Jay Ajayi. I don't believe he was drafted. Sure. You know, so it I'm so gonna... it happens. It's a little little bit different. But he was someone that he thought about going, just like Karan Higdon thought about going, and he wasn't necessarily projected to be drafted. So you know it's I don't know. I that's a different tangent. Not sure what's up with LJ Scott or if he's going to play. He sure would help Michigan there or Michigan State. They're 115th in rushing yards per game, 116 in rushing yards per carry. Uh, I mean that's uh, again that's a thing. Like I just feel like it's it's on paper. You know, on paper doesn't it? Even though Michigan's on the road, on paper doesn't it just kind of look like the spread should almost maybe even be a little bigger, right? But the, uh, it, I think it's about because Michigan State's defense is pretty sound. I mean, uh, their pass defense seems susceptible. I don't know. I mean, given how good their front seven is against the run, you'd think that their pass defense, like I, I you know, I read like, well, that you know, teams have to pass the ball more against Michigan State because they're good against the run. And it's like, I understand that, but they're also, in a lot of instances, getting picked apart. They were picked the apart by through. Northwestern. I think they were picked apart by Utah State. I think, right. uh, I'm not well, sure. Well, you know, I know Penn State, McSorley played pretty pedestrian on Saturday. Yeah. And that's, again, and that's where, that's where Michigan State, like, that's why I think this is a different, this is different than it's been, is Michigan offensively at least has always seems to kind of have been a team that has a one-headed monster they don't they they've never really had the balance i feel like they do this year um with mcsorley that's you know it, it's michigan state's game plan and rightfully so was we're going to shut this guy down mm-hmm. and then they're not going to be able to score you know, and they were able to do that. I mean, he had yeah. what? He only had 37 yards rushing. Right. Uh, and so, like, but that's, you know what I mean? So, and then, like, with Michigan, though, I just, I don't know, I feel like they've a little bit more multifaceted offensively than anybody else at Michigan State's faced so far this year. I would so. say so. And, and you know, and by the way, Josh Butler was the other starting cornerback. So, Josiah Scott out. It sounds like he's going to be out until November. And then Josh Butler was a cornerback. He's missed the last three games. And I think... I think the replacement for him against Northwestern struggled mightily, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it's one of those things. And and so I think... Those guys listed under questionable. I mean, don't you just kind of expect that pretty much all of them are going to play? Well, that's kind of what I'm hinting at, is like Butler, right. I think he, him, Darrell Stewart, Jalen Naylor, like if they can play, I think they're going to play this week. Right. Although, you know, I would also wonder... Like were they, were they able to play last week and they just sat out to mess with Michigan? You know that's how mental this rivalry has become. 
Uh, one thing, 100%. one thing I think is is interesting because someone pulled up the stat that in forty of the last forty four games in this rivalry, the team that had more rushing yards. It sounds dumb now that I say it, but forty out of forty four right. times, the team that outrushed the other team won. And I would say in the last ten years, and and you could perhaps say all of D'Antonio's tenure, so add two thousand seven. I would contend that the team that had the better quarterback won. It's kind of like the Ohio State thing. And yes, and that's what I've I one hundred percent believe that. You know, and that's <laughs> it, quarterback plays why Michigan has had such a bad stretch, stunk for so. It was a lot of it was because they just never had a quarterback that. Um, you know, yeah. Cause... At least against those te- they you know, at least against those teams. I mean, because that's the thing. Think of you know, Michigan State has has had a great run at quarterback. Yeah, they Lee had Cook, Cousins, uh, even Hoyer. Yeah, was solid. And the uh, years that they didn't have one of those three guys, and you could throw Stanton in, I guess, as well. But he was kind of different, different era. But uh, the years that they didn't have those guys, twenty sixteen and twenty twelve where Michigan yeah. won. So yep. <laughs> I agree. So I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm with you there more about, um, is Patterson better than Lewerke in your eyes? I think he might be. He's playing, he's playing better than Lewerke is. Yeah. And, and again, maybe Michigan's getting more help up front on the offensive line, but yeah, man, I mean, I would take, I would take Patterson in a, in a vacuum. Right, I mean, I would uh-huh. take Patterson okay. in this right now. I don't know if I'd have said that before the year started. It would, you know, but I'm even. It's always at, been a push, yeah. I think so. There, it's it's close either way. And uh, I've always been a lower. I like Lurkey. I like him out of high school. You know, Michigan gave him a pretty good look. I think Doug Nussmeyer was the offensive coordinator, quarterback guy back then. They gave Lurkey a really strong look. <laughs> but I, I remember right. He had some. I think he had a family tie. There was some connection because he he played his high school ball in Arizona. I mean, it's not he's not a Midwest guy or anything like that. I mean, he's from far away, uh, but I feel like there was a connection to the program there. So I don't think Michigan ever actually offered. If they did, it was a late passing offer. Yeah. Well, a late probably like it's one of those like he might be coming to town for a game, so let's offer him see if we can get him on campus type deals. So okay, um, you know, but I'm looking, I'm going back and looking like. You know, I know Michigan State's offensive line is poor, but I don't think Indiana is much to write home about. No, no. I mean, the uh, Indiana know. looks like, I think I have them 11th in the Big Ten power rankings. And, and that was a game. You know, it was a game yeah, was say through halftime. Yeah. QBR 42. They ran for a, only 131 yards, and 75 of them were on one play. Is this Michigan State's um, offense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they ran for 131 yards. They averaged. So they had a touchdown run of 75 yards in that game and still as a team only averaged 3.3 yards a carry. Um, and those 79, that was Naylor. Who's a receiver uh, yeah. running back wise. They had about 50 yards rushing on about 24 carries. So and Indiana um, has given up 90 points in the last two weeks to I Ohio state and Iowa. Nate right. Stanley threw so, for six touchdowns on Indiana. Yep. So, so yeah, yeah, I'm with know. you. I, I'm, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as you where it's like I just do not see even though there's some on paper things like there's other than not having a ready to go running back which again can't really do much about because they were kind of counting on LJ Scott they let two they let someone grad transfer to Tennessee you know 
outside of that, there's not that many red flags, though. And that to me, that's a sign of a team that, you know, can find a way to win, even if it is not the better football team on the field. You still don't think not being able to run the ball is not a red flag? Right, that's a pretty big red flag in the grand scheme. Of well, things. Northwestern. Especially when Michigan. Right, but Michigan's pass defense is what still number one in the country. And let let right? Clayton Thorson get, jump out ahead of them. For two drives. That was the thing. That was what was so impressive Three drives. about that game. <laughs> oh, sorry. But Michigan completely shut their passing offense down after they adjusted, which, again, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, yeah. I think – you know, Michigan's defense has been pretty good, and it's been really good against the pass. You know, and I know, again, State's got Number a Number one pass defense in there. the country. Yeah, State's yeah. got a different guy there. Davis is probably better than anybody Michigan's taken on so far, so that, that has to be taken into account. But, you know, they're going to be able to key on him because Michigan State's so ineffective at running the ball, at least you would think. I mean, I, I don't I, – given, again, unless – this just is a com- unless it's a complete 180 from everything we've seen on film all year long from both teams. Unless it's a 180, Michigan should be able to key in on Davis, and under no circumstance should they be leaving him. Leaving, I don't care how good Michigan's cornerbacks are, should not be leaving them on an island against this guy just because he is by that margin their best player. Well, and this is one of those games where, like, you know, one big touchdown from Felton Davis could be the difference because Michigan state loves to slow it down, play methodical. Now Wisconsin does too. And that didn't really work out in their favor. It start it initially kind of did, but you know, it's one of those things where you can't, you have to play very mistake free football to win this game. If you're Michigan and uh, if you're Michigan state too, but it's, I think it's going to be a very interesting game. I, I do think, you know, I'd take Lewerke and Davis and the other receivers over what Northwestern has. And I'd take Michigan State's defense over Northwestern. So it's it's kind of, you know, if Michigan comes out looking like they did against Wisconsin, I think it's over pretty, well, not easily, but, you know, a little, little bit of space there. If it's Michigan against Northwestern, where it takes them a little bit, or Michigan at Notre Dame, where it takes like a quarter or two to, to kind of find their footing, I think it's a different kind of football game. So, yeah. I don't know. You want to play some over-under? Sure. All right. And then you can, if you have more to say about Michigan State, you can throw this in nah, there as this well. Game, like it's the state, this game's the same every year. You know? <laughs> it's like, no, it is, though. I mean, it's just the same every year. And it's going to rain again. It's going to be cold. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's all those weird factors that seem to kind of happen, you know, in this game. And then mm-hmm. bad weather would even the playing field a little bit, I feel like. So All right, let's let's do it. Two hundred and thirty four and a half passing yards for Shea Patterson. If it's over, I think that means Michigan loses actually, don't you? I think the only games where he has done that is where Notre Dame Northwest Oh, and Maryland too. But yeah, I mean I, I would they weren't running the ball well. Um yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm going to say I'm predicting Michigan to win, so I'm going to say under, I guess. Okay, I will say I will say under as well. Uh, 35.5 rushing yards for Michigan quarterbacks. Out of fairness, I will go first. I will say over. I think Patterson feels comfortable 
doing that a little bit more in this offense. I think it seemed like against Wisconsin, Michigan was more open to you know going five wide, having Patterson scramble, and I wonder if that was something that they kind of told him not to do against the blowout teams, and were maybe saving it for for the the you know bigger name opponents. So I'm gonna say over Michigan's quarterbacks do a little bit more in the in the ground game. Oh, sorry. Under. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was I was reading I was actually checking the weather. Oh yeah. <laughs> Any <game>. updates? <laughs> so from this very moment going on this is on weather.com. I don't know if the weather channel is really the most accurate, but uh this is this gives you an idea of just the way things always seem to go in this rivalry. Um from this moment right now, three o'clock PM on Thursday, on an hour by hour basis, there is not one iota of rain until 11 o'clock on saturday morning <laughs> 65 65 75 wow. rain at noon 80 80 rain at one 75 at two and nothing about thunderstorms it just says rain so <laughs> so someone if that gives you an, yeah <laughs> you know someone asked again, us if, what how many what rain dance michigan state did to make sure that it rained for this game <laughs> Yeah, I mean that, that could that could change in an instant. You know, I I, right. I suspect we'll wake up tomorrow and the the forecast might be a little bit different, but still, it's like it's sunny, 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 clear all the way through Friday. Cloudy on Friday night. Twenty uh, percent chance of rain, like at like two o'clock in the morning on Saturday, it goes back down to like nothing, and then it comes back to sixty-five percent right before kickoff on Saturday. So, pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. So number three, four point five yards per carry for Karan Higdon. I believe Higdon's at around six point five on the year. Michigan State is giving up two point three on the year. So Steve, over or under four point five. I gotta say under. I think they're really gonna key hard. I think again, we just talk, we just talked about the weather. Uh, mm-hmm. If the weather's a factor at all, that number is gonna be under. I mean, they could put nine in the box if it's raining hard enough. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of what they did last year, and it it, it really awesome. worked. And and I think yeah. I think every every Michigan State game, Michigan Michigan State game that I've watched with um with an insight on like like thinking about like oh what is Michigan State's defense trying to do? They are always daring Michigan to throw. And I think yeah, even absolutely. with their past defense struggles, Northwestern kind of cooked them a little bit. Uh, you know, Indiana got a few plays. I, I still think they're going to just dare teams to throw. You know, maybe they get Josh Butler back. Uh, Kahari Willis, I think, has Thornton been... still threw two picks, you know, in that game. Yeah. He wasn't flawless. Right. So. And so so I think I think they're going to be able to stop Higdon again. You know, I think they did that last... Well, Higdon was the one guy that people were saying they should have given Higdon the ball more. Um, another, another situation where fans don't seem to want to discredit the game because he didn't give the ball to the running back at the right time. But uh, uh, anyway, so I'll say under as well, 69.5 receiving yards for tight ends. I That seems high. I think Michigan, you know, I, I think the Wisconsin and Notre Dame games are a good indicator of what their offense is going to look like against a team like Michigan State. I know there'll be differences, but and I feel like the tight ends were relatively quiet in both of those games. Maybe they, you know, Zach Gentry certainly has the potential to not be quiet. Nick Eubanks has been actually the 
Um, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Notre Dame games are the only games where he has catches. It's almost sure. like, you know, they're big game Nick. But so I still think 70s, hard, hard number to envision them reaching. So I'll say under. So I'm going to, I'm going to go against you on this one, even though I think all your, all your points are valid. I think it's going to be over. Uh, I kind of suspect, I think Gentry could have a big game in this game. Uh, I mean, really if, they D- didn't, if David okay. Dowell's on him, he will, I would think. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I mean. Like, I think that there's a miss and it's tight end is the one spot, you know, and this is why Michigan and under Harbaugh, you know, as things continue to develop, why I think they can be a, perennial winner is because I think the tight end position in a game like this could potentially uh, could completely change the way the game is played. You know, it's like we talk about, well, Michigan state's going to put eight or nine in the box, you know, as far as basically saying like, you know, is Michigan state is going to get to dictate what happens when Michigan has the ball offensively. But in reality, when you have tight ends and I think Eubanks is there too, as a guy, Yep. Um, in the receiving game specifically, uh, those are the kind of guys that can maybe flip the script the other way. And uh, so I, I suspect, you know, Gentry's a mismatch against any team, um, but I think he could be a real mismatch in this game um, because it, it, you know, you're going to have to think a little bit more. You know, it might see some chip blocks and then him get out, in the, you know, in the seams and stuff. And remember, we, I always go back to that piece of, before the year started about Patterson and how good he was at throwing in the seams, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that 10 to 20 yard range. I think he's kind of continued that this year because Gentry uh, until last week, I think was probably their best receiver the, la- the three or four weeks before that. So he did I'm lead the team over. in receiving. So yeah, just a hunch. I'm going to go over. And I think Gentry, I think Gentry has a big game provided he, you know, everything stays, he stays healthy, you know, no injuries, anything like that. Yeah. With regards to you banks, I, I look forward to seeing someone put together like his highlights of the year, you know, all the plays that he made and how comically open he is for so yeah, many of no, his he, catches. You like, know, <laughs> Michigan used to get Jake, Butt. that, you know, I feel like there were a lot of plays when Butt was around that were real similar where it's like all of a sudden, like the quarterback just turns back over to the left and he's wide open in that same window where Eubanks was open uh, on Saturday. It seemed like a vintage you know, in 16, I feel like there were a handful of plays where that was Jake Butt. And then Jake's thing was that he would not quite score. Uh, he, if, if the one-yard line was the goal line, I think Jake Butt would have had 10 touchdowns in 2016. <laughs> but instead, I think he had like three or something because he'd always end up at like the one- or two-yard line. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, he's another wrinkle for them offensively. That's, a, that's And that's where, again, that's where I think they're a little bit different this year. There's just more just – guys that can wrinkle that you can do those types of things with you know and like that's where experience plays a factor and even McCaffrey you know they brought in McCaffrey for the trick play couldn't you see them running a play where McCaffrey maybe goes out like and actually runs a route as a receiver I mean he looks fast enough too that's what I'm that's what I'm saying you know like a trick play where McCaffrey's involved so um I don't know we'll see yeah yeah okay uh three and a half punts for Michigan, I think Will Hart has 20 on the year. Yes, 20 punts, 50.1 punt average. Uh, but three and a half on, on Saturday? I'd have to say over. Again, I mean, so I just picked the tight ends to go over and receiving, but then I'm going to pick the punter to go over and punts just because of the weather. Well, four punts so is gotta, not 
that much even. Yeah. No, that's what, uh, yeah. And again, it, that'll be interesting. You know, it's like, I, you know, Will Hart has been awesome so far this year for Michigan, you know, and it's one of those deals where I feel like when we talk next Thursday, we'll be talking about, could be, I don't think it's, you know, he's been awesome so far. I suspect he'll have a good game, but just the way kooky things are in this rivalry that we'll be talking next Thursday and he, maybe he really struggled. Hmm. Had like his worst game of the, you, you get what I'm saying though, right? Like the, there's always yeah, like hey, Blake O'Neill had his worst game, <laughs> right? Those statistical anomalies and just the funky stuff is like, I, you know, it's just, this seems to happen in this, in this game. So we'll see. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say over as well. I just think, I mean, you'll find out more when I give my score prediction, but I just do not think this is going to be a game where offense reigns supreme. Uh, just, I just do not see it from, from either side. Uh, just the way things stack up on the defensive side of the ball. Two and a half points on Michigan State's first offensive drive. Interesting one because I think it's in reference to Northwestern scoring a touchdown on the first drive to um, Notre Dame scoring a, fir- a touchdown on its first drive. Two road games, two you know serviceable, high, you know high quality teams. I believe their their records are starting to reflect that. So, does Michigan State score on its first drive? Oh boy. Uh, I'll, so was that is under no? Yeah, it was two and a half. I don't think they'd score a safety on their first offensive drive. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so yeah, do they I mean, score? I, I, I can see where I can see where the answer might be that they'll score. Cause they're still come out with their scripted plays. And I know that's what they did in 16, even when they lost, then they come right down and then they march right down the field and score. Oh yeah. They looked really game. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could see where the answer would be over but i'm just gonna play this is strictly playing the odds i'm just gonna say under all right i'm gonna i need to create some separation you're beating me by four uh through four weeks of this so i'll say yes i also do think like i mean you gotta imagine d'antonio has been scripting this drive and crafting it each week you know i i think i think he's put some thought into that drive and i think i think notre dame and northwestern kind of showed that that this defense you know there are holes they they often one thing that Don Brown does really well is they fill the holes really quickly and they can make adjustments but you know there are there are ways you can beat this defense uh next one 44 and a half passing attempts for Brian Lewerke I'm gonna take the over well yeah I'm gonna take the over I mean if LJ Scott comes back then I'm completely wrong here but he has 103 pass attempts in his last two games both of which were against good Big Ten teams that were close games. I expect Michigan to be a good Big Ten team in a close game. And so I think even with the rain, I think they're they're really going to try to make something happen with Lewerke, especially if LJ Scott's not around. Uh, I'm going to say over. Again, I mean, they're, what, two? Less than two yards rush, per rush against Indiana, whose off or defense is nothing like Michigan's. Uh, I know Michigan's interior. I'm not at the point where I'm saying it's elite. I think there are some holes there. I think they'll try to ex- maybe exploit, but by and large, they've struggled running the ball a lot. So I, I do. I think I think they're going to pass it around quite a bit. And uh, again, I mean that's the thing. Like we're talking about the weather um, and how it might even things out. I mean, I almost think it'd be worse for Michigan State if if the weather was bad, because I, I think yeah. Michigan State's going to have to throw the ball to win this game. I just, I, I, it's hard to foresee a scenario where they win this game 
because of what they did on the ground. <laughs> I, I would agree. But, yes. You know, so I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. Cause someone asked like, is the rain worse for Michigan or worse for Michigan state? It's, it's interesting. Like I, I almost feel like it's almost worse for both teams because I think for Michigan to win, it needs to spread out the Michigan state defense. Cause I think collectively they can, they can stop a lot, you know, 2.3 yards allowed per carry is no joke, but as you said, I mean, Michigan State, they're not quite like Northwestern where they're only going to pass, but it's its pretty close. 103 pass attempts in the last two games speaks volumes about where their offense is right now. Next one, 84 and a half receiving yards for Felton Davis. He's averaging 79 per game, but obviously some of that came in blowouts or maybe he wasn't playing the whole time or they weren't going at him the whole time. I'm going to say under. I just... I just don't think anyone on the on the field is going to have 100 yards of anything. Um, could be wrong, but I think I think Michigan's Michigan's going to be able to slow him down. I think he'll still make big plays. I just don't know if he's going to have like 8,500 yards. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I got to go under just because, like I said, you know. And I know. I don't know. This is this to me is going to it's going to be interesting because. Because Davis is is their best player, I think he you, you could argue he's their best player, mm-hmm. period, yeah. on either side of the ball. Um, you have to pay extra attention to those guys. And I'm interested to see if Michigan still kind of does their whole, you know, no, we we our corners are going to play our guy they are going to play their guys one on one. You know, I mean that's what lost Penn State the game. And because if they throw it one on one, I could tell you right now, Michigan State they're just going to drop back, they're just going to throw the ball up, and they're going to hope that either he catches it or they draw a defensive pass interference. Yeah, yeah. But they might not be able to do that if Michigan is shading somebody over. You know, they might have to think twice before they do something like that. So, um, so yeah, you know, because that's a, like they they are. I suspect they're going to just. I don't know. I'm almost talking myself into saying over just because I think they're going to try to get him the ball so much. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, because you know that is the thing. They're they they're going to they're going to do whatever they can to force some pass interference. You know, they, that's what I th- I think they're that's one thing. And again, with an offense for them that's as one dimensional as they appear to be, and as good as Michigan's pass defense is, I, I do I think that part of their game plan. And I'm not. I think it maybe it should be part of their game plan is to find the one-on-ones and throw it up, hope that Michigan plays too aggressively and they get a couple flags. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's an easy 15 or even 30 yards in a drive. If you get two of those, you know? And so, um, I don't know. That's a tough one actually. Cause I just, cause like I said, I think they're going to just try to feed him as much as they can. Uh, I'm actually, I'm going to switch. I'm going to say over actually. Okay, well, you're right more often at these than I am, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, 99.5 rushing yards for Michigan State total. So they don't have anyone who has 200 rushing yards yet, but they have three guys who are between 150 and 200, including Brian Lewerke. If you, I count him for sack-adjusted. He's at 197 sack-adjusted rushing yards. So, you know, they're averaging around 100 yards rushing. I just... I really do think Michigan's going to be able to stop that. Now, again, I almost want to put an asterisk and say if LJ Scott returns, I do think they pass 100. Hmm. But I don't I don't know 
I don't think I don't think they have a run game right now. I mean, I just don't think they have any any sort of run game that's going to stop Michigan or no get by Michigan. They, sorry, yeah, they I, haven't had. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's where it's like, can't you just kind of tell though, like how mentally yeah, this it, you talk about how mental this rivalry has become, where it's almost like <laughs> it like, is if this so was funny. Another opponent would be we probably. I mean, seriously though, think about it. Think about what we talk about. If this was any other opponent on Michigan's schedule, say for Ohio State, we would probably be predicting Michigan to win by three touchdowns this weekend. Based uh, on the way these on the road, two touchdowns. Because I mean, you know, would you per, would you? Be, what did we predict against Northwestern? I think I predicted by about. I think it was two touchdowns. Yeah, I didn't know so Northwestern was going to be good. They were coming off a loss right. to Akron, so right. Three might have been. Well, three might have been. What would you strong, predict? You understand, you, you understand what I'm saying, though. It's yeah, like, I, I do. I do. Voodoo, it's the voodoo aspect of the way this game plays out that is, is kind of playing and clouding our just rational judgment based on what we've seen. Again, I've seen Michigan State, watched them a few times this year, and they don't, yeah, they've not shown any ability to run the ball effectively. Michigan, outside of playing Wisconsin last week, who has maybe, maybe the best offensive line and running back not just in the conference but among the best in the country at both of those for both of those units and they still I mean he Taylor got his but they still by and large like forced them out of the running game if I'm not mistaken Michigan just held two top 10 rushing attacks because Maryland was yep I was gonna say super Maryland good at rushing good, yeah. they got 147 they average about 110 yards more than that and I don't know Wisconsin was in the top five but even you know, part of that's Jonathan Taylor and held them to, oh, I should have pulled up that number before I said my speech. But it was not very many rushing yards. It was 183, 183. So, yeah. And and you look at Maryland, a bunch of their rushing yards were... Late. Yeah, very late in the game. Like, let me, like... I think they only had, like, what, 47 yards through total through three quarters I'll, I'll or tell you, something? I'll tell, you this right, I'll tell you this right here, Zach. On their, on their last touchdown drive, Maryland, on their last touchdown drive, when they made it 42-21, to 21, <laughs> Maryland rushed for about 80 yards. So they had about approximately 80 yards rushing on the last drive of the game when it was 42-14. to 14. So 67 rushing yards through most of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that was it. And Easy they, under. they were a top. They were yeah. So I it's it's. I mean, at some point you got to look at what actually happens, and you know that we're they're not playing ghosts and myths and stuff. I mean the the, the something, some of the things in this some of these things can't be are rivalry proof, and them stopping, slowing them down in the running game is should be one of them. I mean, there's just been nothing to indicate otherwise. So Neil took out the havoc. Stat, which I think was forced fumbles, sacks, tackles for loss. But he has um, four and a half sacks and turnovers for the defense. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the most sacks Michigan State has allowed this year, but they're averaging like 2.7, and they're facing their by far the best pass rush they've faced all year. They're also probably going to pass a good amount, and if they aren't, I do think Michigan can get into the backfield and stop them in the run game. So I'm going to say over. I don't know about turnovers, but I think they'll have. I think they'll have a you know, 
three, four-ish sacks, and, and maybe they get one more sack or one more turnover. So I'll say over on the last one. Yep. I got I mean, I have to agree. That's, yeah. and that's the way this is. That's, again, I think, you know, I don't know. We break, we've been breaking on this game, and, and it's like a lot of the focus is on Michigan State. But, you know, Michigan's front four, with or without Gary, again, should – they should be able to at least have some opportunity to force some turnovers, you know, mm-hmm. and, and lewerke has been prone to the turnover all year against, yes, against m- much m- like very sub, not subpar, but you know what I mean? M- defenses are a lot worse than Michigan's. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I... So, so I'm going to go with over for sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, so time for our final prediction and then we will, then we'll end the podcast do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I'll go second. Okay. So you kind of mentioned that if it were any other team, if it weren't Michigan State, you'd predict it by three touchdowns. And and I would say, like, if Michigan was playing Iowa, I don't know if Iowa's better than Michigan State. I think they're comparable. I, w- I don't know if I'd predict them to, to win. I really do think there is something different about on the road. I would wonder what the game would look like if Michigan played Wisconsin on the road. You know, because it's just it just seems like Michigan has this this battle rhythm in Ann Arbor and it seems like they can get teams completely out of sync. You know, Nebraska packed it in after one drive. I think I think Wisconsin, you know, after after a couple of those back breaking drives to start the second half, I think they kinda maybe not packed it in, but you could tell they just weren't in it to win it henceforth and Maryland kind of had their back-breaking moment I don't know if Michigan gets to it when they're playing a good team on the road and so I you know it's one of those things I I I do like Michigan's defensive opportunity I think they really can shut down Michigan State's offense I don't know if I'm totally sold on Michigan's offense scoring a lot on Michigan State's defense you know I've, I've liked uh, you know, I've I've been. I think there's things to like about Michigan's offensive line. I think there's things to like about Karan Higdon. I would assume Chris Evans will be even better this week than he was last week, given that the whole point of his <laughs> life right now is rehabbing and and getting himself fully healthy. I think the receivers have grown. I think the tight ends have grown. And I think Shea Patterson's very good, and this will be a big test for him. I really, I I think it's one of those things. I think I need to to see it before I can predict it as far as, you know, this offense clicking on the road against a defense that isn't doesn't have four starters injured. I know we, we kind of go back and forth on that Wisconsin thing. I, I do think the defense, Wisconsin's defense is not what it was last year, and I don't think it's what Michigan State's defense is. I do think Michigan will win, but I'm going to go ahead and predict a very, very D'Antonio-esque 20-16 to 16 victory for Michigan. I think I said 27 to 20. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to stick to what I wrote in the article I posted the other day just because, but. Um, yeah, that's what yeah, I had to do I too. I yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it's part of, I don't know. Part of me just kind of feels like Michigan's due here a little bit. Um, wouldn't have said this last year. I don't know if I predict, I don't know if we might've predicted Michigan to win I last predicted year. Michigan to win. I didn't know Michigan right. state was going to have that year. I really didn't think they were. Um, yeah. Misread. You know, it's like, part. it's like, 
you know, we talk about like, what if Penn State defensive back like catches that interception, you know, and Michigan State's three and three. I mean, are we looking at it's like they almost look at this game differently than we are now because they ended up winning. And I know it's it all comes down to making plays and all that kind of, but it's like it's is it you know what I mean? Stuff like that, like I just feel like changes perceptions here. Um, Speaking of mental, how many Michigan fans do you think are glad Michigan beat Penn State? We, we, so we that... talked about that. <laughs> we talked about that last week. That's so exactly what I Less said. cocky, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, I think there was a, probably a healthy segment of Michigan fans that wanted Michigan State to win this game because if they lost, then all their, their national and conference aspirations were over and their whole season would come down to this game, which – I, you know, I don't know if the outcome of that game would have changed it either way because I think the way Michigan State runs their program, this is the game for them every year. If they win this game, they're on it. Then they they come out of it on a high and 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 they build on they build on that momentum down the, the home stretch of their schedule. If they lose this game, you know, they could still lose two or three more games. In my opinion, I think they have Purdue still. Purdue's looking good now at Northwestern, um, or sorry, at Nebraska. Could be still have Ohio. Well, in Nebraska is kind of their house of horrors. You know, yeah. like that's always a program. No matter how good or bad Nebraska is, they've always kind of struggled against Nebraska. Well, and um, Northwestern, and they have, <laughs> tough, tough draw yeah, for them they, this year. <laughs> right, and they still have Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's you know, I don't know. I, I'm gonna go. I do. I'm gonna go with Michigan. I just think that. The difference between their offense versus Michigan's—it's I just—that's what I always go with. And yeah. Special teams is the, is the ultimate wild card, as it always is too. You know, it's like. I, well, who has the better quarterback? To... Probably Michigan. Yep. Who has the better defense? Michigan. Well, who has better who special has the, teams? Let's say when you say quarterback, though, I I I do agree because I go back to what you said earlier about the offensive line. Who has the best quarterback offensive line combo? Michigan. And that's Michigan. Yeah. No doubt. Again, based on every ounce of film or anything we've seen of both these teams this year, Michigan definitely has the advantage in that quarterback-offensive line combo. And you've been able to um, say that twice in the in last this, 10 years. Series, yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, because that's the other thing. Like Michigan State's always, almost always had a very, a very above-average offensive line, if not more than above-average you know, and this has been kind of this is kind of an outlier in that regard, and that's another reason again why I kind of think Michigan. The like you said, I think like you said they have an opportunity. I think the opportunity is there for them to force quite a bit of turnovers on Saturday. I you know I could be wrong here. Maybe the state will play turnover free ball again. You know, I was at Michigan had a, you know, even going to the games that Michigan's lost in this series under Harbaugh. You know, you had one of the flukiest plays in college football history, and you had a game in which Michigan had a negative five turnover margin and still had <laughs> multiple drives to win the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, you know, Michigan has played them, in my opinion, has played them just fine. They just haven't been able to finish. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think the the gap, whatever way, is closer or it's, you know, I think it's more in Michigan's favor. The gap, whatever direction you want to put it, the gap is more in this year uh, than it has been any of the three years uh, that they've, the other previous three years that they've played. Um, you know, I guess 16, I don't know. I guess let's say the two times that Michigan State beat them, the gap is bigger in Michigan's favor. 16 maybe a little bit of an anomaly just because of how awful Michigan State really was that year. Right. But you get where I'm going. So I'll say 27 to 20. Um, 
you know, on the road though, that's, that's the other kind of wild card here is it's been a while. And, uh, well, to me, that's what makes it get close. Right. And I, I think that's fair. I, I, they can't, they can't do what they did against Northwestern or Notre Dame because they will lose if that's what, if that happens, I just suspect that they're due for a good beginning and just good performance on the road. It's just been too long. The offensive line has come far enough too in the last month. And that's like, I think offensive line is a lot like a defense. It'll travel well. You know, I don't think the offensive line is going to get rattled by an atmosphere that who knows there's a, there are a ton of tickets left for this game still. I mean, it could, there could be quite a few Michigan fans in the stadium to be honest with you. So there could um, be, I, I knew of a lot of people who were going to sell their tickets and are no longer going to going. What's that? Are you saying is, is East Lansing a place where Michigan stand fans abstain from going to still in certain instances? Is it? Uh, no, I meant like, I know, I know Michigan there. state people who like before the Penn state game were like, Oh, definitely selling the ticket. You know, Oh, we'll be giving them out things like that. Sure. And then they beat Penn state and everyone got back on board. Sure. Well, <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> um, Anyway, you have you have twenty seven twenty. That's what I'm gonna stick with. Yep. Cool, cool. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we're both predicting close, low scoring games, as as a lot of these, a lot of the games in this series have have eventually uh, wound up being. But we will see what happens. Be sure to check out all of our preview coverage at themichiganinsider.com and twenty four seven sportscom slash Michigan. I'm gonna have a by my by the numbers is up. Position preview is up. I'm going to have a little bit of a peek at what Michigan State has been saying this week. Uh, some some other preview content. I know Steve's got some stuff coming through the pipe as well as his 10 things he's thinking, which is, I think, a really good, if you really want, like, an opinion breakdown, I think that's that's a really good uh, one-stop shop because it's obviously well-rounded and comprehensive. So check that out, too. Check it all out. Michigan Insider and 247sports.com slash Michigan. For Steve Lorenz on the phone lines, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we'll see you next week.